one of our mentors have told us that when you are forming a team always have in the team a general a philosopher a engineer and a design guy developing a business is challenging roughly 80% of businesses survive the first year however only 50% make it to their fifth year and roughly 33% to their 10th year imagine a world when many more businesses are developed successfully the economic growth and prosperity it will create for all welcome to the business developer podcast with sujay my motivation for this show is that by listening to this podcast you gain some ideas and inspirations towards your own journey of developing your business successfully today's guest is someone who has been a business developer over many years across multiple settings wearing multiple hats i would let our guest shamik ghosh founder of trustrace tell us all about that so please join me in welcoming our guest shamik ghosh hello shamik welcome to the business developer show thanks for taking out time to join this episode thank you sujay happy to be here that's great shamik uh, you know this objective of this business developer podcast is to become a source of inspiration for the listeners mm-hmm. uh, already involved in their business or looking to start their business this podcast is also serve as a platform for experienced business developers like you to share your knowledge and experience mm-hmm. so in a nutshell shamik uh, this podcast is for the business developers with the business developers and by a business developer like me so to help our audience shamik uh, tell us about yourself So I'm based in Stockholm and I am the co-founder and CEO of Trustrace uh, which is a digital platform for product traceability and transparency and this is a company we founded around 3 and a half years back and before that I used to be working in IT services field for a very long time both hardware and software services and engineering services for almost uh, 19 years that is in a short Originally I am from India I have been living in Stockholm for the last uh, 11 years and I have also spent my years in uh, Southeast Asia in Malaysia and Singapore as well as in India where I started my career predominantly with respect to business development and sales in most of the years that I have been in the industry trust race uh, that's a cool name and I think in the modern world we need lot of trust around in the business so tell us little bit more about trust race yeah so trust race is a digital platform for product traceability and transparency as con- conscious consumerism is increasing and also there is an upcoming regulations with respect to ethical business processes to be followed in the supply chain lot of fashion brands food brands as well as pharmaceutical companies are being questioned by the consumers and the regulators about how the product is made whether it is made ethically responsibly also if it is complying to the environmental norms existing currently and are are the companies also improving the environmental standards in the supply chain this has got a huge bearing on the customer loyalty because if your product is found that uh, it is not pay, if you are not paying the right wages to the people in the supply chain it will affect your brand reputation and product uh, sales also so trustrace is a platform by which we are able to help them to discover their complete supply chain to the lower tiers up till tier 4 tier 5 
which generally is the source of all of their ingredients. So for example, for a, for a jacket, we help a fashion brand to understand source of all their ingredients like various fabrics, various linings, chains, zippers, buttons, etc. And then after that, we help them to ensure that their code of conduct or their quality metrics are being complied to across the supply chain. Uh, we all have to understand that in the in the current world, uh, there are significant amount of fake materials in the supply chain. So for a brand, it is a huge exposure if they later on find out that the material is not uh, original and or what they had asked for. So such kind of things is what we help these companies to overcome. That's immense, right, Shamit? It is. It is growing quite fast. When we started, I think it was just the beginning. Uh, but after Paris Climate Agreement, new regulations, and also Dodd-Frank Act in US focusing on conflict minerals and all, this is uh, gaining a lot of speed and attention from the board and the CXOs. Yeah, and we have all seen in the media when uh, fiascos happen for the brands and negative impact it takes on them. And today's consumers are getting more and more conscious also, right, in terms of a green economy, trying to reduce pollution and uh, maybe the target segment for many brands like the millenniums, they are more aware and they have very strong preferences and choices what they want to consume, right? You're absolutely right. I think uh, driven by these uh, climate strikes and many such things by the teenagers, I think uh, this has gained a significant amount of momentum. It is also pushing old customers or the mid-age customers also to switch to more greener alternatives mm, cool so tell us uh, maybe this is quite interesting you have come quite quite far with this right how many years it has been with trustees for you now i have spent uh, one year but the idea got started around uh, four years back and then we formed the company around uh, december of 2016 so it has been almost three and a half years with the company the company has got now 30 odd employees but more importantly we have got a good success with customers as well as uh, uh, suppliers we have got around 32 brands as customers and around 6000 suppliers who are on our platform across uh, starting from Australia, New Zealand, Asia, Europe, as well as North America. So it has, uh, it's showing a good potential. Impressive. Yeah, certainly it is. So, you know, how have you gone about developing this business till now? Because you have achieved quite immense growth in the business and from customers, you said, and even suppliers. Tell our listeners a little bit about that experience, how it all got started and some of the challenges you might have faced on the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it has been a really an exciting and a fun journey of uh, uh, learning new things, uh, unlearning also many things. Uh, it, it has been the I sort of a mini journey of life. Yes, as I uh, when I started my career, I used to work with a large SI company in India and Southeast Asia. So idea was that you will typically the full ownership of project delivery right from software, hardware, uh, in fact, uh, physical assets in those days also because servers and uh, networking gear was still something we used to sell, right? <laughs> those days. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so it, I started there, and uh, which was predominantly in India and Southeast Asia. Uh, and the focus there was largely about understanding the customer need 
customizing uh, of the shelf product for those needs and integrating it and delivering a, a very, very specific solution for the customer which meets the requirement. So it is all lot about matching the customer's need to certain of the shelf product, find out which is the closest that fits in, and then you go about uh, configuring the solution in it. So you're lot dependent upon the features and functionality of these off-the-shelf product. Then I moved predominantly to software sales when I moved into Europe and in and services sales there. When I say services sales, this is typically you develop a complete custom application or a custom solution grounds up for a customer mm -hmm. there. And it was uh, where you are actually listening to the customer a lot, maybe having a discussions with them, uh, them to uh, get the requirements right. And then you develop the complete software grounds up. It is very, very important in that case for you to understand the requirement, understand the overall business outcome, and then develop software or uh, any solution of that nature. Right. And then started this third phase of my uh, career, which is about the startup plus building a product. It is we are four founders. So all four of us came from a IT services background and listening to the customer background. Uh, we had to be very, very sure that we are able to define the product very well. And when we started, we were tech guys who were entering the fashion domain and fashion was a completely new industry for all four of us. So initially we were uh, four techie blokes in jeans and t-shirts going in, in a very high fashion world you know that it had very it had an interesting twist to everything at least we were we were eye-catching so yeah so we started there when we got into it and we were pivoting the uh, our approach to uh, many of these industries we started by pivoting the approach to in fact we started from art industry so we were actually started by looking at traceability of high-priced art like things coming from Picasso's uh, studio or from uh, Van Gogh and all that kind of thing. Then we pivoted it in the fashion industry, food industry, industrial products such as uh, uh, where you have got significant amount of influence of conflict minerals like batteries and all that and all that, right? In all of this, one thing that we did, I think, well was we were talking to a lot of customers and a lot of people who are involved. We were always very modest in the approach and telling people that we do not understand many of these industries. We understand that maybe certain tech components very well. So that is why we are building a solution. And we were, we got a very good response from the industry, from uh, different mentors who told us what are the things that we should be looking at. So that worked very well for us. But I think the challenge also on the other hand is that what they say and then you have to call out your product definition very, very well. Because otherwise, we can, you can spend a lot of effort, time and uh, money also in trying to work out a very, very over-encompassing solution, which may be very generic. So how do you bring a focus to a specific area and then build a solution to start with? And then, of course, you start developing more and more around the core and uh, in, uh, enlarge your product definition there. So that, has, that was something because we came from a services background where customer is always right <laughs> uh, and to a world in which we had to take to customer a very specific product and then work with them to maybe customize it, right? 
so first uh, break, make it small then go and make the small more powerful by uh, adding very very specific features so that was the learning the other thing i think we also also learned uh, when we moved into this journey is that earlier my focus was very very was uh, very much on sales and business development whereas when i started into the startup world it largely became that lot many functions come together in delivering value to your end customer right and that is very very interesting because when you are forming a product you are actually playing on the team's capability and most of the customers in in the initial years uh, the the team is bigger than the company it is only later that now we see the company uh, name is bigger than the each of the individuals sometimes whereas i have always worked in large corporations where i think it had an established brand name so to building that also takes a lot uh, some amount of effort focus and lot of networking yeah and as i said see uh, as we hear from you developing a business has so many different facets and dimensions to it certainly sales and marketing is one aspect but as you talked about the team as you did then you have your product defining the product achieving your product market fit at one point of time but continuing to evolve it as you get your feedback from the customers and then you take a decision okay what you include in the product and you you might be saying lot of nos also it's interesting because if you come from a services background and as you were saying in the services background the customer is the king and we are not used to saying so much of nos you are very much Uh, listening to the customer and then trying to figure out how do you deliver back to the customer and i believe in the product world now you are getting learning to say lot of nos is that accurate and if so how do you feel about this transition journey from the earlier world to this new world is it's, a, it's a, initially it is a, it is a cultural shock because i had spent 19 years in a, in 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 saying yes to most of what my customer wanted right <laughs> there and now we have we have we are going and saying that no i think at times we tell the customer that no we are not the right fit for this thing it is much better for you to work with another product or another uh, solution in this space right it it is uh, it is a hard uh, thing for us to it's not my normal nature to say a, a no to a customer so yeah we are learning it there uh, on that front also good good yeah that's certainly one important aspect any other parts that you think when you went started with trust as you talked about little bit of pivots right from the art uh, to the food and to the fashion take us through that journey you know pivoting yeah it's cool we hear that but it's also very difficult it might be very much challenging because you might have to leave and change from what you were earlier doing there might be lot of discussions with your team members uh, take us through that journey of how and why You, would you have done some of the pivots uh, just to, for the listeners to understand who might be also going through a or in be in a similar phase yes as i said we when we started so we had this broad idea that uh, traceability is is very critical for most of the product companies because most of the companies have a very limited understanding of the supply chain typically they have they are in control of uh, the supply chain Uh, up till their tier one supplier, tier one is a direct supplier to them who is delivering a complete assembled or the final product to them, and then they typically take it to their warehouse and then they are selling it to different through their different distribution channels. And we were bringing this uh, new technologies like artificial intelligence, blockchain, bots, and these kind of a mix of these 
deep technologies to this world and saying that what you are trying to do it in a uh, with lot of manual labor putting a lot of time and effort we can automate this whole process and improve the data quality also so as we started with a clean sheet of paper we went ahead and started talking to lot of different industry uh, setups so we spoke to art we spoke to fashion we spoke to food in fact we stood in some of the food grocery stores in sweden and we were asking the consumers also because we we said that we have to go into an industry where there is a need for it until and unless there is a widespread need for a solution like ours the problem is you will just may be able to do a one sale or a two sale how do you make it a scalable model in which the pull factor will take over the pure sales effort so this pivots helped us in talk first of all it helped us to talk to lot of people in different part of the value chain then after that we were able to say that okay these are these three or four seem to be industries or pivots which are interesting for us it turned out to be fashion food uh, pharmaceutical conflict minerals to be the broad spectrum so, so initially you shortlisted these three or four based upon your research outreach as you were saying right or did you go one by so one we actually did a parallel uh, part of it so we were actually doing it uh, we first went about did some amount of desk research and said that traceability let us find out traceability is relevant for which all industries or spaces there uh, then we started talking to people and this is through our network and through our extended network we reached out to lot of people we did surveys interviews with lot of people uh, in that sense and this has been i think the journey always so we have been always playing it by the ear talking to lot of the people outside because uh, we know that we do not know many things so it is always better for us to seek inputs from lot of people because this improves the whole process of sales which where because if you screw up anything in the late stage it is a much bigger uh, much costlier mistake mistake for you that's right and i think that's a very good learning at least for me is that you know many times when you're trying to develop a business you kind of go into your own world or just be with your team three or four team members at best you're talking to some investors and stuff the way you have outreach to the market i believe should be a good learning for many people who are looking to start their business to reach out get as much feedback as possible collect those at the early stages of the business and as you said rather than doing exactly and and listen very well to what 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 the mentors or what the people have to say not only the verbal communication part of it but also the non verbal communication part of it if you can try to do most of these interviews in person it it really helps a lot so yeah so we did that and then we could zero down to these three or four industries and these three or four industries still are so big and we were the just four of us at that point of time right so then we said that okay let's take a bet and see which is the much more qualified and we put a a constraint on us that we will only focus on one industry we will not go even to more uh, more than one industry because our resources are limited let's put focus on one industry solve one industry's problem and then we'll see that if we can scale it to other industries and that's where through multiple discussions internal as well as external and certain things started moving in the fashion world for us and somehow that industry appealed to us much more based on our 
initial focus the way the solution was developing way we were interacting with the powerful players in that industry so we then picked fashion as the industry it took us a lot of uh, discussions internally to agree on it but i think finally we said yeah i think and uh, as four of us we had we came to that uh, consensus that okay let's focus on fashion build on top of it we always had this urge in the last three and a half years okay now fashion we are doing okay can we move into the other industry then but again we kept on saying that no let's keep a deep focus on this so the first two and a half three years we dedicatedly focused to fashion industry so which in a way has helped us because now we have proven that we have a scalable product for that industry and now when we go and talk to the food and the pharmaceutical industry we are in a much much better place that we can tell them see we did not know another industry and see how we have helped them and improved the business outcome for that industry. So that has been the sort of a broad strokes of that journey. That's very interesting. And yes, so you actually then went ahead, initially have a short list of three, four industries and then narrowed down on one and maintained your focus on that one. But I believe you have some comfort feeling of scaling your business. You know, there are few more industries you can approach as and when you are able to scale, mature and based upon the resources and team you are able to build up. I believe the longer term vision is existing with at least... Exactly. Your... So that, that was also one of the interesting things because initially four of us were there and four of us had a history of working together for four or five years before that. We have reached the second or the third phase of growth where this understanding has percolated through the, the new team members and now we have got the second generation of hires and there now we have they are the people who are getting a much better hang of these things and in fact they are doing much better job of building the solution and the product than we have done because there's so much of learning which has gone about it. I would absolutely agree and and while I, I think I am covering it in broad strokes, bringing the successful points, there has been a lot of failures also for us. Uh, we have taken many missteps, but most importantly, you fail fast. You understand, okay, this doesn't seem to be going the right way. I think we are spending too much resources to for developing this feature uh, or something like that. You do that analysis, you correct yourself and then move forward. And that brings also an important point because you know one side is focus and commitment and another side is fail fast and i believe this that also brings a lot of intelligence and decision making when do you stop it and say that okay this is where the, the commitment ends and this is now we considered this step has failed and we move on do you feel there is some two sides to that equation and some discussions within yourself or some stress there of okay we should stop it right yeah, now yeah. and we should agree that it has failed agreed because you invest so much in it you put your time energy and you're emotionally invested on many of these actions there taking that step that hey no i think this has been a failure you have to be very objective also sometimes so it's a fine balance in between emotions and objectivity <laughs> about uh, when do you say that, hey, now, this is, I think, a wrong uh, thing and let us uh, take a step back or maybe this is not the right thing for this time. It may again come up later on. Kind of. It needs a lot of discussions and all that. Uh, I, I think I, I, one of our mentors have told us that uh, when you are forming a team, always have in the team a general, a philosopher, an engineer and a design guy because the philosopher should keep on questioning the rest of the three people that why are you doing it <laughs> because if you answer that why question that hey 
then maybe it, it will put you in that objectivity will come in that hey i don't think this this is necessary or needed maybe we should not do this uh, because general always will be saying okay let's keep on moving 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 and the design and the engineer they love in building something so the role of philosopher is very important to question all of the three that <laughs> what you are doing is it right or not this is very interesting i will take it as a learning for myself and hopefully my our listeners here can also try to adopt that in your business let's shift a little bit of a gear into the team side of it you talked about it you have a four initially started with four people you have some advisors influencer customers then as you're growing your team you bring up your second generation of people within the team and that's where i believe is another challenge area for many people who are now looking to expand their business beyond their own initial thinking into other team members who come to join you as more as an employee right uh, with different motivations different objectives from their side how have you gone about that to ensure that this second generation of uh, employees that have come in the team that have come in they are so much focused and uh, committed to as you for have so I think you have to focus a lot on attitude over aptitude when you are getting that team because you will typically get a lot of very very competent people but i think if their culture if their vision of their personal lives are not aligning with your growth plans you have, you will have challenges uh, we have been fortunate in that world because i think we have at least been able to do that filtering quite well and bring in the people who are really really passionate and at times they have been much much more passionate about changing the world than we have when we started and of course you have to be open and ready that hey maybe some of this alignment is not proper between the employee and me Uh, and then you take corrective steps uh, first try to either you change or you work with the employee to change it or at certain times also be open that hey this is not working out to let go but we have been fortunate in that part of it because since the day we started the business we have had 100% retention of customers and 100% retention of employees so which is a Uh, which is unheard of typically in the startup world so that has been we have been very fortunate and lucky that way but yes i think uh, when you pass it on to the next gen you have to also be open to let go and delegate certain things and this is i think one thing many founders fail and this is one area where i think we have taken a page out of our past life because in the past life we have managed cross country cross border teams and many of the time the teams were like your direct reports and indirect reports used to go up to the level of 100 200 people right so you typically i we were used to delegating most of this work uh, giving them that uh, confidence that yes even if you make uh, f- uh, if you fail on certain things we are there to cover it up or we'll support you so that i think has been a great way for in which we have built this team uh we have give put them in front of customers or stakeholders as told them that you go at commit and deliver on it so that delegation i think is a very interesting thing because it's your own baby it is always difficult for uh, you to think that somebody can <laughs> teach the baby much more than you can teach right so it uh, takes some amount of uh, discipline i would say uh, to achieve that but then you are able to then build the first generation of leaders then that first generation builds the second generation of leaders and all that so shamit that was interesting uh, maybe if we can uh, touch base on the another aspect of 
uh, what you have done while developing your business i heard a lot of about coaches and advisors uh, help us to understand that aspect of it uh, uh, why did you feel it was important and how did you go about it what benefits you have received from coaches and advisors while you have developed your business yes i think uh... You will have because we had a outreach to a lot of people uh, and in that outreach, you will find certain of the people to be more interested in your project and you want them to bring their experience also. Right. And that is where you bring in advisors, mentors, coaches. And the reason you have different roles for these people, depending upon the amount of time and energy they can spare to spend in the project and also what is their experience in that field so we have been very very uh, open and fortunate again there also to have the right amount of coaches and and there have been people who have come in supported us for a certain duration and and they are not so active with us now but uh, they have also played a very very important role uh, there are three main things i think which you get from this close group of friends uh, which i call uh, uh, mentors, coaches, and advisors will be first. They will typically bring their personal experience in helping you solve the problem, or with specific to certain challenges that will come up in your project. Right? right. They are invested in your success. Most of the time, they do. They are doing it for their own recognition and the and effectively, if they are passionate about the project, they will do that with you. Second, they do uh, aspect they bring, which is very, very critical is they open up their network to you. You are new to the industry, most probably like in our case. Uh, and when you are new, you need that network for you to go ahead and talk to various other people, key people for you to uh, start selling or developing the solution. The third is it brings a lot of credibility to your setup. Because you may be not a known known person uh, personality in that industry, but the coaches or mentors they bring that kind of a credibility into the places, and that is very very important. So we have used, or we have had coaches, and we continue to have a lot more coaches and advisors who are helping with all these three aspects of it on an ongoing basis. We have also been fortunate that we have not only limited ourselves to individuals, we have also joined certain ecosystem or networks like we were we are part of fashion for good in Amsterdam. We are part of various accidents. So we have one thing we have done is that from year two onwards, we were very, very focused on joining a lot of accelerator programs. Some of these accelerator programs are have been awesome because they have given a significant amount of credibility and connection in those industries. That's a good way to go about developing a business, an important aspect, I believe, to get get those outside influence coming in, the knowledge that you derive, and as you said, expanding your network, not by individuals, but joining these forums and groups and some accelerators programs if, if they are running close to you. That's really nice. Tell us a little bit about the brand part of it. You told about you started with four people, that you were trying to build the brand, and now you might have come to a stage where now the brand is bigger than the team. Help us through that part. How should one go ahead on that brand aspect and developing the brand as you have done? Yes, I think we come, we come from a field where we have not been, uh, we are not marketing professionals. Our, for us, brand means effectively, we wanted to bring a lot of credibility, right? So we wanted to be known as, a company which is uh, uh, modest, which is very, very focused on what is the problem that we are solving and then start building the name. So the first two years, in fact, rather than 
focusing in a lot of marketing and brand building, we focused on solving genuine issues or problems that many of our customers are facing in this world. So first two years, in fact, we just uh, were doing, understanding their problems, going and preaching how we can help them to solve the problem and just building references. And we got a lot of references through word of mouth. So in a way, our brand was getting built, but in a very, very soft manner. Post two years is where I think we got into a lot of social media uh, buildups. We started uh, having proper handles and channels by which we started posting a lot of messages. Uh, we leveraged our stories that we had done for our customers, right? For example, with Philippa K, we had uh, done some great work and we started posting those stories. So it was an outreach, but still not a full-blown brand campaign and all that because we wanted to take certain uh, baby steps so that we can test, feel, and, and because we did not come from the brand building side of it. So we were doing that ourselves. Uh, we took, we had full control of the message that was going out in the market. We did not hire any external agencies. We had advisors and mentors to support us, but we did not hire any external agencies. We did everything in-house because we also wanted to learn that ourselves. I think year three onwards, we have started, we have been a little bit bold in that area. We have started taking certain more bigger steps. We are doing more uh, joint sessions. In fact, we have a something called the Ecosystem Connect series during the COVID times, uh, where we are bringing our customers, uh, our a few other uh, friends who have got, how they are overcoming the COVID crisis and all. Uh, we are sort of trying to get into the space in which we are leading by example in that space. So we are taking much more responsibility of educating, disseminating information for the industry also. We have learned a lot. That is an A space, I think, where we also had our new, our investors who came in last year. Uh, they have helped us significantly in that space because they come, uh, both of them, Sarah and Susan, they come from a background of uh, marketing and building e-commerce and digital businesses so they know what does it take to create a right brand good good really impressive and yeah i i personally feel the brand is developing well as, as i observe the trust is brand building up so a lot of kudos to you and there's a lot of hard work i think going ahead in front of you good that you mentioned this point about investors i was actually uh, wishing to go in that line of thinking Many businesses, as they develop, they need to decide whether they bootstrap, whether they bring in investors, at what stage of the business they bring in investors. How has been your thinking or your team's thinking as you have started the Trustless business about bootstrapping investors, what stage and what have you done? If you can take us through that part of the journey. Sure, absolutely. Yes, I think we have uh, in the first two years, so we started initially with a lot of applications to grants and support because we had a very risky project in our hand, right? While we were doing, we were self-investing and putting a lot of our personal money, effort and time in it. But we could also say that that has limitations. We cannot, because we do not have such deep pockets to invest in areas of AI development and blockchain. So we needed external help. So we reached out. In fact, we started, in fact, talking to a lot of investors, loan institutions, as well as grants. Uh, we were fortunate that we actually got two grants in the first 
two years itself in 2017 and 2018 from the Swedish Innovation Agency, Vinova. They have been a great support, both in not only in terms of money, but also in building the credibility that, hey, we have got now decent amount of money to develop a solution like this. And also they promoted us through their network. But we also were very interested because while we have a very, it's a social com, so it's a social innovation company. Uh, we focused, we told them from the beginning that we wanted to be a dot com because we wanted to be a, a, a self-sustaining commercial operation. Uh, so we wanted it us to have the validation from the investors, and we kept on talking to a lot of investors. By chance that we got to came in touch with Backing Minds and they knew about us we got to know about them and first thing we found out that what is the investors you are looking for is the investors you will get it is very important as we go about hunting customers about hunting team members uh, and getting them onboarded it is very important for you to know what kind of investors you want because if you don't have that clarity if you because then you can lose your control of the business too, because the, the vision may not align, the ambitions may not align. So it is very important. And we got that. We, uh, I think we had to be patient, but I think finally uh, we have backing minds with whom we uh, had the first round of investment last year. And they are very, very well aligned. So we are, they are very supportive of this whole thing is the COVID crisis, right? When it came about, started uh, we had so many discussions with them about how do we overcome this challenge because this is a game-changing event if we can just survive for the next 18 to 24 months i think we will be now in a great position so yes yeah, so i think that has been the story and also we have to look at we have seen that investor networks are uh, help you to get into a top-down approach significantly we when we are doing business development typically we are talking to a mid uh, mid-level or a junior executive to sell the solution or talk to them yet some sometimes you're fortunate enough to talk to cxos in many companies but through our investors we have been able to reach out to absolutely the the people who are investing in many of our customers also so that is a great way for us to build the network understand what is going on in those boardrooms, what is going on at that level to understand what are the priorities that we should be solving through our solution. That's great. Yep. So, yes, that's another important dimension of developing the business and how you leverage the investor network and investor community. And it's, I believe, as you're saying, it's just not the money. It's so much beyond it. I think similar to when you are hiring employees, as you mentioned, the attitude you look for the, in the people, I believe the attitude matching should be done also with the investors. And one important point, as you said, and it's also psychological on us, is that you see what you want to see, right? If you have a blue car, you go out in the road, you see a lot of blue cars. So similarly, if you, if you form a picture of your in your mind as to what kind of investors you're looking for, what kind of employees you're looking for, what kind of advisors you're looking for, that's the kind of people or institutions you go ahead and discover and meet, right? So the clarity of thought, I believe, is very important for you as if you're developing your business. I think this was a very nice discussion. I took a lot of learnings, a lot of information, a lot of food for thought for myself. And I hope that same with the listeners. So towards this end, uh, Shamik, would you like to give some messages to the network here, to the listeners? Uh, if you have some 
cool new information or anything you would like to share about uh, Trustrace? Sure, absolutely. Actually, we are uh, so we are, we as I mentioned, we have we are growing quite well. We are also looking for uh, business developers, solution experts to join our team. We are looking for these great people to join us so that uh, we can take the company forward. We are looking for these kind of roles predominantly in Sweden. Germany and France for now, where we are looking for solution experts and business developers. So anybody who's interested, they can reach out to me uh, or they can reach out to you and you can guide them, guide them to me. Great. So how can listeners reach out to you? Uh, where can they ca- contact you and connect with you? Best way to reach out to me will be email or I am present in LinkedIn. Uh, I'm quite uh, active in that space. So they can reach out at Shamik Ghosh at LinkedIn or if they want to reach out through email shamik.ghosh at trustrace.com. That's great, Shamik. Thank you. Thanks a lot for this session. It was really wonderful talking to you and hope it was for you too. And all the best to you and Trustrace to build, continue building it up. Uh, we will follow you. We look for more trust in this system through more traceability we find in the products that we consume. Thanks a lot. It has been a great uh, session to discuss and present all this and uh, best wishes to you also with the with this podcast. And I think this is a great way. I think this is much needed also for many of the people because it you're talking about a lot of practical realities of business development. Good, Shamik. Thank you. Have a great day ahead. Take care. Thank you. Developing a business is indeed challenging. It is a combination of science and art. Take any positive human skill like passion, persistence, emotional intelligence, effective communication skills. All those and many more are needed to develop a business. That makes developing a business such a challenging task and even overwhelming for most. However, you are not alone in your journey. Hope this episode helped you with some ideas, inspirations or food for thought. I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions for improvement. See you again in the next episode of the Business Developer Podcast. Stay happy, healthy and curious to learn. Bye for now.